You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, episode 25, and today we're talking about how to use automations to create a deeper connection with your prospects, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Samantha Riley, and I work with thought leaders and experts to help them double their income, their freedom, and their impact to create a business and a life they love. From my business background of 25 years, I've learned there are three key areas to growing a successful business, your mindset, your talents, and the people you surround yourself with. Here in the Business Lab, we'll interview successful entrepreneurs and deep dive to discover the exact strategies that they have used to build their business so that you can experiment and implement these strategies in your business too. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome to another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and welcome to a new week. Happy Monday if you're listening to us on our download day. I am a bit tired today. I've just been spending or I've just spent the last three days hanging out with my Black Diamond members, helping them to turn their expertise into a thriving business. And we had an absolute blast. We had so much fun. But if you've ever run live events, you know that coming off the back of that is quite tiring. Very energizing and tiring all at the same time, but I absolutely love it and I loved hanging out with them. But today I am bringing you an interview that I did a couple of weeks ago with Tim Hyde from Winmore Clients and we talked about automation. Now, what I love about the conversation that I had with Tim is using automation not to come across in a robotic way, but how to use automation in your business to create deeper connection with your prospects. If you are someone that is constantly looking for more leads, this is a conversation that I think that you'll really get some value from. There's a lot of times people say to me that they need more leads, but what we end up discovering is they're not nurturing the leads that they already have well enough and they're letting their leads drip through the bucket or like we talked about in this interview, sometimes it's like there is no bottom to the bucket. The the leads are just falling through. So uh, like I said, I'm welcoming Tim into the Thought Leaders Business Lab today. Now, Tim has been in business for over 18 years. He's worked with thousands of small businesses in heaps of different industries across the world to implement effective leveraged sales and marketing automation systems. So it doesn't matter what your business is, what we talk about today is something that you'll definitely be able to get some value from and implement. So without further ado, let's jump straight into this interview with Tim Hyde. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Tim. It is so great to have you here with us today. Sam, it's an absolute pleasure to join you. I'm really looking forward to talking to you uh, or with you today. You are one of my automation go-to expert geniuses <laughs> um, and uh, always has got, have got something to share in this field. Why don't you let us know before we even get started what it is you do and the kinds of people that you work with, just to give us a little bit of context. Yeah, sure. Um, so I work you know, in, the digital marketing, in the digital marketing space and work with companies to really look at how they can systemize and automate a lot of the manual process that either should be being done in their business, but often isn't because we get pulled away to other priorities um, or is, you know, is being done, but it's taking up a huge amount of manual time. And I was reflecting this on this before we, before our call, 
and thinking, you know, it's, it's one thing to have a business, you know, turning over $200,000 and, and maybe putting $100,000 in your pocket. But that doesn't really make sense when you get to a million dollars and you're still only putting $100,000 in, in your pocket. So, you know, as we grow our businesses from six to seven and seven to eight figures, we need to look at ways that we can really optimize and, and create efficiency in our business, um, you know, and particularly our marketing process to be able to achieve those goals and grow our business or grow the profitability of that business as we do so. And that's what I help work, um, work with customers to help them achieve. Yeah, and I love that you've given that difference between revenue or income and profit because they're two completely different numbers. You know, I have heard of people, or I saw a case study not that long ago with someone that said they did a, a million dollar launch, but their marketing budget was something like 900 and something thousand. And I just, if you're spending that sort of money, you can, you know, turn over that sort of revenue. Uh, you know, most of your listeners would have heard of Shark Tank or, um, or Dragon's Den. I, got fascinated years ago with uh, Dragon Sin, which is on the BBC. I think it was the forerunner. Yes. And it's done 17, 18 seasons of, of that show. And one of the first episodes that I recall watching one of the, the dragons on that show, one of the investors, uh, had this saying was, you know, turnover is turnover vanity, profit is sanity, you know, cash is king. And that, that's a saying that's always stuck to me with me that every time I, I look at a business and go into business and look at how much money people are turning over, it's very easy to grow your business to, to you know, to really incre- incredible heights, but it's hard to grow your profit unless you're really smart about what it is, what you do. And, and growing your turnover can just create more headaches for you as you grow. Totally. It's funny. Yeah. I was just writing a, um, a training just before we jumped on the call. Uh, and one of the things that, or one of the modules that I was working through was, you know, as you grow your business, what is going to break? Because something will break. Uh, and it's about looking into the future and predicting what is it that is, you know, going to fall apart? What is the wheels going to come off? Yeah, well, I reckon that's, that's, a, that's a mistake that a lot of business owners make. Um, we just look at what the turnover amount is. And it looks at how big my team is and how big my staff is and all these big contracts, but it just creates more and more stress and doesn't necessarily actually put more dollars in your pro- pocket at all. And we kind of fall into this trap of having a job that is our business, not the business fulfilling our lifestyle, which is what it should be about. Totally. And that's even worse than having a job because at least with a job, you get 10 days sick day and four days, <laughs> four weeks holidays, right? And generally earn well, over the minimum wage. <laughs> well, I reckon, I reckon my boss has amazing annual leave provisions. I can take time off whenever I want. Um, <laughs> but I tell you what, the, the sick leave is pretty ordinary. Yeah. <laughs> you might have to have a chat to your boss about that one. <laughs> but one of the things that you mentioned a little while ago, and I want to touch on this first because I come across this a lot, is what I call the difference between playing the short game and the long game. And implementing and putting these systems in our business so that we can leverage our time, which is, you know, the beautiful benefit of having these automated systems, means that, that, you know, right at the beginning, you do need to put in some time and effort to get these systems up and running or to, to get them running. And one of my mentors says it's like doing the sprint. You have to work really hard and really fast. But once you've done that, you can sit down and have a breather or go to the beach or whatever it is. Uh, and that's what we're talking about here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, it does take a, an effort. It does take an investment of time and resources, you know, to get these things sort of set up in your business. As with any process, whether it be, you know, an automated process for your sales and marketing, 
whether it be a, a procedures manual that you hand to incoming staff to say, you know, at ABC company, this is how we do things. It does take time, but you're not having to reinvent the wheel each and every time you do it. And our businesses are, although we think they're fairly unique, we do the same thing with every single customer that comes through our business each and every time. We do the same thing with our staff each and every time a new staff member comes through our business and leaves our business. And, and in that respect, you know, we, we are doing a lot of systemization so that we can have the same customer experience each and every time and sort of be able to sort of chat to or have conversations with customers in the same way each and every time as well. So that experience is consistent. We're not having one person who has an amazing experience and the next person is, you know, going, well, what, what was that all about? And you only have to sort of walk into any fast food chain. You know, McDonald's is, is particularly good at this. You know, they've got a very, very clear and cut process for flipping burgers and how you take your orders and, you know, how much time each and every station has to deliver that product. Now, that, is a, that is an automated business. Yes, it still has some people in it, only because they haven't invented robots yet you know, to flip those burgers and call out the orders and stuff. But look, I don't think it's that's. I was just about to say, I don't think it's that far away, actually. (laughs) (laughs) They've already got uh, burger restaurants in California that do have uh, robots flipping burgers. So it's not going to be far away. (laughs) It's not going to be far away. Okay. And we've created a system to deliver a product. And our business needs, in order for it to grow and scale and provide us the lifestyles we want as business owners, we need you know, our sales and marketing processes to be systemized and repeatable and the same thing. And and it doesn't matter whether, you know, we've got the technology now we do to, you know, to automate a lot of these things. We can, you know, we can schedule and automatically post into our social media channels. We can pre-schedule emails and and triggers and stuff that, that things go out. And that's a space I work a lot in. But it doesn't have to be. I think people get into this mindset that automation means impersonal. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. That's a big mistake I think people make a lot of time when they, you know, when they look at this and go, oh, I'm a little bit fearful of doing that. It doesn't necessarily have to mean impersonal. Totally, totally. So what I'm hearing is that implementing these automated systems, and we're specifically talking using CRM systems or customer relationship management systems today, even though there's lots of different applications that we can automate our business. This We're specifically talking about yeah. Um, yeah. leads today. So the two things I'm hearing is not only are we using these systems to leverage our time, but we're also replicating the systems and the processes in the way that we're dealing or interacting with our clients. So we're not only are we maximizing our time, but also maximizing our income. Absolutely. Now, what I want to talk to you today, and I ran this past you very quickly before we started chatting, is actually lead nurturing. Because a lot of people come into my world, actually just about everyone that comes into my world says, you know, we want more leads. They say, I want more leads. uh, And and the, the conversation comes around lead generation. However, on tapping into a lot of the, um, or having conversations with a lot of the people that are coming to me talking about this, they actually don't need to generate any more leads. What they actually need to do is nurture the leads that they've already got. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I think that's probably the biggest mistake people make. You know, we, it's, I guess, a fairly known thing in marketing that brand new customers are the most expensive customers you'll ever get, right? Building new relationships is, is incredibly expensive and incredibly time consuming. And I think, you know, historically, the way kind of advertising and marketing has worked, we've gone out to market 
you know, we've, we've put out this call to action that says, I've got this really cool offer, buy from me right now. And, and what happens is that we're only ever grabbing the top of the pyramid or the top of the sort of pile of people who are ready to purchase from you straight away. Now, what people don't realize that if you're talking to your ideal target market and you're really clear on your message and, and, and the value proposition that you can offer to those people, that 85% of those people will buy from you if you can maintain a relationship with them for more than two years. Wow. Now, that's a fairly scary statistic. So if you think, you know, of the last 12 months, you've spoken to well over 2,000 people, you know, through your various channels, it might be over 10,000, it might be over 50,000. And if you said 85% of those people are going to be customers, like even if it was 15%, what would your business look like? I was going to say most people right now would be jumping up and down, but I'm going to guess that most of us, and I'm even going to put my hand up here and go, yeah, the number's not an 85%. No. No, it's not. That's because we sort of let people drop away. We don't remain top of mind with them. And if you think, you know, let's go back to you and I, you know, when we were in high school and there was a, a guy or a girl we were particularly interested in, and we went off and pursued them. And after a little while, you know, something else took our fancy or someone else took our fancy. And we went and, you know, pursued a relationship with them. That first person, it's not that we didn't have a, you know, we couldn't have had a relationship with them, you know, that would be a lifetime relationship. It's because we didn't focus or continue to build, you know, the relationship there. And our customers are very much the same. You know, if we look at how our personal relationships work, you know, we, we find our ideal target market. And we, use, <laughs> right? we find our ideal target market. We woo that ideal target market with flowers and chocolates and dates and, you know, <laughs> whatever. When they're ready, we pop the question. Not before. And we can't sell to people. We can't sell to people. People have to be ready to buy from us. Is there, totally. There's a difference there. Right? Yeah, so totally. when someone's ready to buy from us, we pop the question and they say yes. And we celebrate that with an engagement party, with a wedding, with a honeymoon. And then if we want that relationship to continue on, you know, for 10 years, for 20 years, for 30 years, right? We remember anniversaries, we remember flowers and chocolates, we remember important dates, right? We continue to nurture and build that relationship. Now, that's what, you know, if we, obviously there's differences at times, right? but if we wanted to do that in that business, we need some way of duplicating the process that we would do with an individual in our personal relationships, right? We need to find our ideal target market. We need to provide them value so that they're interested in what we're doing, right? We need to nurture the relationship. And even those people who are buying straight away from us, right, who are ready to say, yes, I'd like to get married to you right now. You know, we need to continue to build the relationship with them post-sale, not just, here's your product, I'll take your money, see you later, it's all crickets, right? But we don't do that in our business. And this is where, you know, technology and people fill the void. So let's talk about that. This episode is for people that have got leads in their database. So they've got a list of people, let's call, call them leads, even though yep. just for today's episode, let's call them leads. And we're talking about those people not being nurtured and, and falling off so they're not top of mind. What, yeah. what are, and I've already listened through the gaps and actually heard quite a few value bombs dropped already. So let's go back and touch on those. What, sure. are, what are some of the ways that you're talking about that we can nurture our leads, have them, you know, dating us in your metaphor and, and have us staying top of mind so that when they are ready to buy, we're the person they think of, not our competitor, because that's what it's about, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, uh, I put a new air conditioning and heating system uh, in my house a couple of years ago now. And look, anyone who's in a trade or has employed a trade would, would 
go, oh, this is a story I've heard before. Um, we had five tradies come out and, and sort of give us, give us quotes. Mm-hmm. The first three came out and they spent an hour, um, said, you called up, said, you know, we, we want a quote. They came out and gave us an hour of their time crawling around under our house, which has a flat roof so they can't put stuff straight into the roof cavity. And, uh, and then decided not to quote at all. By the fourth one, my wife and I are going, and we live in Canberra, so it gets pretty cold in winter. We can't go another winter without heating. Just do the job. And the guy who came out quoted us, I don't know, $22,000 or something, whatever it happened to be. And we said, yes, absolutely, let's go ahead. We, <laughs> we're keen. We love your solution, meaning we didn't really care at that stage. We just want something <laughs> we, done. We just want the job done. <laughs> just make it happen. And we, and, we, and we shook hands and said yes, and he didn't leave a business card. And I said, just send us the details. We need to actually pay the deposit so we can get this going. And we never heard from him again. No way. And the fifth one, we're just like, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> don't care. All right, you don't have to quote. Just come and put it in. Yep. All right, and this is what we do in our business. We 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 constantly forget that if we continue to build a relationship with someone for a bit longer, whether it be through email marketing, whether it be through adding our prospects into a, a retargeting segment on Facebook that keeps us top of mind, whether it's a task that we raise for our staff on a periodic basis to say. Hey, just reaching out, how's things going? You know, we, we can build these systems around being able to continue to provide value to our customers, right? To, to in this case, to our prospects, to our leads. Mm-hmm. And if we can do that for long enough and we're talking to the right people, then eventually they'll go, yes, I'm going to put you into the shot. You may not necessarily get the work, right? Because obviously there are a lot of other factors, but you're in with a shot. It's not like they've completely forgotten about you. So we're talking about the people that are in our CRM. A nurture sequence here, I'm guessing is, you know, I really want to dive deep in this so people understand. Are you talking sure. an email sequence? Well, look, let's, let's, in, in its very basic form, it'll be an email sequence. Mm-hmm. All right. That's pre, predetermined to deliver additional value to your customer, not to sell your product, but to give, give additional value to your prospect and educate them on what they need to know in order to make your product and solution the obvious choice. Mm-hmm. All right? And that might be, again, it will depend on the nature of your business. If you've got a really long sales cycle, say, you know, selling houses, um, you, know, you wouldn't email someone three times a day to say, here is an update on the property market. Everyone who's ever owned a property will undoubtedly have been on the mailing list for a number of mortgage brokers who every quarter tell them that the RBA exchange rate hasn't changed. Yes. <laughs> that's a very generic one. Now, my mortgage broker knows what bank I'm with. So more useful information to me to endear me to that particular broker would be, hey, Tim, the mortgage at your bank hasn't changed or has mm-hmm. changed. Mm-hmm. This is what we can do about it. So we've got to create timely and personal correspondence. It's not just about treating everyone in our database exactly the same way. We've got to talk to people as individuals. So you're specifically talking about here about segmenting our database, correct? Yeah. And that's a critical, I guess, mistake people don't make or make is not segmenting their database and just going, I'm going to throw all of my data about all of my customers. It used to be on a bit of paper and a little Rolodex on my desk. Now it's going to go into this thing that sits in front of me which is my computer screen, and it does something where we can go now and start to segment and actually separate out people into sort of smaller groups that allows us to have more personalized conversation with them. Perfect. Can you give us an example of, or you've talked about banks and a mortgage broker. Can you give us yep. an example for coaches of a way that they could segment their database? Yeah, sure. 
Um, one of the things that we, we can do uh, with, your, with certain modern CRMs now is actually start to track and segment based on behavioural activity. So if you were to send out a newsletter or, or an email to, to a particular client and they click on a link which takes them to one of your blog posts on a certain topic, right? So it might be around leadership, it might be around marketing, it might be around you know, goal setting. Because they demonstrate a behaviour either going to a particular blog post or clicking on a link in one of your emails, that allows us to actually track and, and apply a tag which separates them from everybody else. And over time, what you'll see is that, you know, Sam, if you're looking at my stuff and you keep clicking on things around goal setting, when I have a conversation with you, I'm not going to talk to you about leadership. I'm going to talk to you about saying, hey, Sam, I've got this upcoming workshop on goal setting. Would you be interested in that? Now, immediately that takes you to a point where, you know, I'm talking to you in a language that you want to hear. Because you've told me that you're interested in goal setting because those are the blog posts you're reading. Those are the links you're clicking. And okay? then we those can, are the lead magnet. Those are the lead magnets you're downloading, as another example. And that can be reverse engineered too. We can actually, uh, rather than watching people's behaviour that way, or we can watch people's behaviour that way and use it to put our lead magnets together. So reverse engineer, what is it that our prospects actually want to see and start to create based on their activities? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. I uh, recently went through Google Analytics and had a look at, um, you know, what, what blog posts of mine um, had been attracting a lot of traffic. And there was one on how to develop a lead magnet. Mm-hmm. And now, for those listening who don't know what a lead magnet is, a lead magnet's kind of like a, a, bit, a bundle of information, a bit like a bribe. I give you a bunch of information, you give me your email address and, you know, permission to continue to market to you. Um, and I found that overwhelmingly, a lot of my audience was looking at this resource and saying, I'm interested in how to develop a lead magnet. So I've taken that resource, expanded a bit further, and I've put that into a lead magnet, which I now promote, you know, as a resource to start that relationship. Perfect. What's that Steve Jobs quote? You, you, can't, you can't connect the dots moving forward. You can only connect them going back. Something like that. Whatever the quote is. I'm a big believer in reverse engineering. <laughs> Not so good at remembering quotes, but reverse engineering, it, it, yes. It is. If you have a conversation with your customers and pay attention to what they tell you, they will tell you what they want. They'll yeah. tell you what they want to read. They'll tell you what they want to buy. Right? how often they want to buy it and so on. But they might not necessarily tell you straight out, like us having a not conversation necessarily. right now. And I think that that is something else that people get confused in with. You know, a lot of marketers say, listen to your clients, they'll tell you what they want. And so many people think that means, let me go straight to the people that are in my world and ask them what they want. Where in actual fact, I believe that if you're asking them what they want straight out in a conversation like this, then it's, it's proving that you're not an authority in the space. I think where, you know, one of the things I suggest people do, and if you've got a bit of paper handy, draw this pyramid out, draw, draw a pyramid and then put a line across the top and a line across somewhere about, you know, three quarters of the way down. The top represents 3%. So every time you promote yourself, there are 3% of your market uh, ready to buy from you, you know, ready to buy or listen to you, what you've got to say. It's a very small percentage. Now, those represent your buyers. So if you've got a 66% close rate, you're going to close two clients out of every 100 that you reach. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, not 66 clients. You're going to close only those who are ready to engage in some form of sales conversation with you. Yes. The bottom 30%, you know, in the bottom half, Mm-hmm. represent people who are hearing your message but are not an ideal fit for your business. You probably can serve them, 
um, you probably have a solution that can help them, but are not necessarily the ideal target market. This group also represents all the people who represents not ideal clients. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the people who will argue overpriced and, you know, demand more than you're prepared to give and generally make you cringe every time you pick the phone up. Yes. Or or maybe just confused with who it is that they speak to. That's right. And I think something you said a couple of weeks ago to me really resonated with me was, you know, if you're under 100, if you're still only on five figures and trying to get to six, just get really clear about not only who you want to reach, but also who you don't want to reach. And, and, you know, your automation technology can do that by putting, putting in case studies of people that represent your target market because people naturally, you know, gravitate towards that. If I go, you know, if you started, Sam, if you started blogging a lot around, you know, these sort of nine figure businesses that you work with, I'd be like, well, you know, this is not me. I'm not at that stage yet. Yes. Um, and I'll naturally self-select. Yes. All right. I'll, I'll move on to someone who speaks my language. All right. So if you're speaking, I help startups, and that's the message you, that you put out there as a coach all the time. I work with startups. You'll attract startups. You won't yep. attract someone doing eight figures. Correct. Even though potentially what you do for those startups might be exactly the same thing that you do for seven and eight figure businesses. Definitely something you need to to be very aware of because it's a huge factor in people really struggling to find their ideal client is getting clear on that message of who it is that they want to attract and exactly like you mentioned, being just as clear about who you don't want to attract. Yeah. Now, the 67% of the people in the middle, Mm -hmm. which is obviously quite a lot, represent people you do want to have as clients but aren't ready to buy from you yet. Right? So what we need to be doing, and that's, that's your leads. That's where your lost leads are. You know, the difference between the short game and the long game. Short game says, let's look at the top 3%, try and sell to them. Anyone who doesn't buy from me yet, chuck them away. Yep. Right? Even those people you've had sales conversations with who aren't yet ready to buy, but might be in six months time if you circle back to them. So if we've got 67% of these people in our database, we've segmented our database so we know who we're speaking to. What are the ways that we can engage with them? Because like you said, you know, an email sequence is sort of sitting there, you know, it's not really focused. What is a way that we can dial in and really make sure that we're speaking to this 67% of people in a way that will have them moving up into that 3%? Yeah, and this is where we, we, we've got to continue to provide value. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, got to, we've got to provide uh, nurturing and education content with interspersed with the call to actions. Mm-hmm. All right? So, you know, use your email footer and, and say, hey, whenever you're ready, I've got, you know, reach out to me. You know, give people the soft opt-in. Give them the opportunity to raise their hand either by going to watch a webinar, you know, that you're putting on for, for free, get them to download or another resource. If people are engaged with their content, they'll tell you. And mm-hmm. those are the people that you want to be starting moving into, you know, more active sales language. No? So you're talking you about create, sorry, talking about creating value um, and educating them with the problem and the solution. And I, I did want to touch on that because that's so clever because a lot of our prospects don't even realize or are unable to, realize, to understand what their problem is. So if we're educating them what their problem is and how it is 
a symptom or how it's showing up in their business and showing that. So we're not giving them the solution, right? We're just showing them that we can deal with the solution. Yes, absolutely. Or offer the solution. When we're interspersing that with call to actions, and I'm talking something that's not just a soft call to action that's at the bottom of your email, it might be promoting something. How often or what's the ratio of call to actions to value ads? Look, I'd probably do 50% value add. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd probably do around 25% um, call to actions or maybe 10 to 25%. Again, depends on your business. Yes. Um, and, what, and what sector you're in. Yep. Um, and then I'd probably put, you know, the balance, you know, 25 to 35% um, about you. Ah. Right? People buy from people, you know, we quite often hear this thing, you know, are you in a B2C or a B2B business? Right? Ultimately, we're in people-to-people businesses. Yes. And people need to know, and whether it's, your, you know, if you're a company of 150 staff, your business has a personality that people need to get to know and like. If mm-hmm. they're going to buy from you, if it's just you as a coach or consultant, people don't buy from you if they don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it seems fairly obvious. You don't buy from people you don't like. You know, if you okay. don't like their values or their, their, what they stand for, and it's totally okay to use your automation sequences, whether it be email or calls or whatever else, you know, to intersperse other things about what it is that you do. So you just uh, mentioned calls the, there. We're talking yeah. about automations. I'd love you to quickly touch on how much of this are we automating as in 100% automating, as in we write an email and throw it in the system, and how much are we automating as in a little something comes up in our calendar and says, hey, Sam, can you pick up the phone and touch base with this person you haven't spoken to them for three months? Can you tell us about that? Sure. I use a, I use a bit of a mix, and this is where we come back to internal, what we call internal and external automation. External automation is your client journey, it's all that outward-facing, you know, automated correspondence, right? Your internal automation is what do you have to do at certain points during your journey? For example, if I was to have someone hit my sales page, right, my automation would start a trigger that raises a task for me to call them. I wouldn't send an email to say, hey, I noticed you're on our sales page, mm-hmm. right? I'd have a task, urgent, pop up on my phone saying, hi, Tim, Sam's <laughs> on your sales page, give her a call. And my call to you, I'd do it, obviously a quick scan of what, what sort of stuff you've been looking at. My call to you would be, oh, hey, Sam, how's it going? Just touching base. I was just thinking about you. <laughs> now, Amazing. Course, oh, my God. That crazy. is so crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. I was just thinking about you. I was just on your website. How about that? How, how ironic. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I guess what you want to be trying to do at the, is really starting to try and leverage your time. You want to spend your per, more of your personal time on sales prospects that are closer to the point of sale mm-hmm. than not. Yes. So I would use email and, and Facebook retargeting a lot more on customers in my journey who are at the very start of my journey. Now, as they start to engage and they become closer to the point of sale, I would then start to use more internal automation where I'm putting tasks for me to reach out and, and call them. Love it. So what we're talking about here, I just want to recap, you know, we're we're not talking about lead generation. We're talking about lead nurturing, which is where I believe so many people not even realizing that they've just got 
they don't just have some tiny little holes in their bucket. That it's like there's no bot, there's no bottom on the bucket, and the leads are just pouring through. So we want to make sure that we're staying top of mind and engaging with these people because obviously, like let's be honest, they were interested in enough in us to wind up in our world in the first place. So by yeah. not actually engaging with them is actually doing them a disservice. It's almost being rude. You know, it's like someone walking up and saying, hi, I'm interested in what you do and you're just ignoring them. Well, yeah, again, come back to our personal relationship things. If you were in a bar and someone came up and said, hey, I'm really interested in you, <laughs> and, they, and you just ignored them, how would they feel about that? They're like, wow, you're a real dickhead. <laughs> Value misalignment, <laughs> let's say that. <laughs> right. And of course, they'd go on to the next thing. They'd go, and, they'd go and buy from someone else. They'd have a relationship with someone else. Right? So, but if you took the time to get to know them and say, hey, look, you're really interesting. I like you. You know, let me buy you a drink. Tell me about you a little bit. Oh, you know, that sounds really challenging. Is that a problem for you? Yes. Well, look, hey, why don't you try this? That could really work. Oh, yeah, that's great. What else do you know? We need to be doing this in our business. Absolutely. So if we've got 67% of people that we do want as clients but who, not, who are not ready to buy, what is the very first action step that you would suggest that we take or have a look at right now in our business? I think I'd, I'd probably map out a journey. Right? Map out the journey. What, do, what are the things that you need to tell your customers for them to be equipped to be able to buy from you, right? Most people don't know how to buy from you. And I don't mean here is your checkbook, open it up and write me a check. Mm -hmm. I mean, you need to educate people about what it is you do and how to buy, you know, how you can help them solve that problem in a way that makes it easy for them to do so. And that's what our automation sequence, that's what our nurture sequence needs to look like. So you need to say, you know, don't just say, hey, write this my email, show them how to do it because not everyone's done it before. Oh, I am so glad you said that. It's so many emails I get that say you need to whitelist us. And, and it was, do you know, it's only just yesterday, funnily enough, you must have been watching me on the internet, Tim, that I actually <laughs> said, I don't even know how to do that. I have known about this for years. And I actually sat down with, um, with Leon, my husband, he also looks after our operations, and said to him, we need to screenshot the process of this so people know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Perfect you know, example. That's right. And then you need to start, you know, creating a relationship. Right? Mm -hmm. So one of the first things in my sequence, um, and, you know, there's a, a bunch of rules, resources on my website, which we'll talk about later. You know, people who come into my, into my world, I say, hey, here's the lead magnet that you, you know, the, the resource that you requested. You know, I hope you find it valuable. And then straight away I go, hey, look, I'd love to talk to you about this. You know, you've demonstrated interest in it. If you don't want to, that's fine. Just hit unsubscribe and, you know, we'll never hear from each other. But if you do want more information about this, this is what's going to happen. And if that sounds good to you, cool, right? I hope I'm valuable. If I'm not valuable, that's okay. See you later. But then I go into a bit of a personal story. I tell people about my journey, about, you know, about me. It's not just, you know, I'm trying to sell to you straight away. Totally. Yeah, this is what I do. So the stuff I talk about, to my clients, the stuff I implement for my clients is the stuff I use in my business. Wow. How about that? <laughs> oh I'm so glad to hear it. Tim, so I have a lot of a sales pipeline. You know, I have a referral partner campaign that prompts me to contact my referral partners on a regular basis. Right? I'm, I'm finding that 
10 minutes per day of manual tasks that I should be doing and going, I'm going to put this on steroids. I'm going to automate the hell out of this. So it yes. saves me 10 minutes. It saves me 20 minutes. It saves me half an hour. Now, if I can save half an hour a day, now that's probably pretty close to $30,000 a year worth of you know, time that I'm putting back in my pocket that I can go and do other things with. What I love about what we've talked about so much is that I'm a big believer in automation um, and replicating systems and processes in our business and leveraging our time because I believe as business owners, we should be creating a life and a business that we love, not absolutely working ourselves to the grindstone and dying at you know 60 years old because we're overworked and stressed out. But I'm also a really, really big believer in connection and that as we do go into the age of the automation, you know, it's only going to get more and more as we were talking about before with robots and AI and all of this other stuff that as, as customers, clients, prospects, the thing that's going to get us over the line is that connection and it, because that's, you know, as humans, that's what we're craving that's what we need so it's not about one or the other it's about both and that's I think that probably one of the the biggest takeaways I've got from speaking to you today is that it's about the automations and it's about how do we do it while still building connections yeah absolutely I mean the biggest mistakes that I see you know some of the biggest mistakes I see that look your automation technology is just a tool if you don't use it it won't do anything yeah okay and it <laughs> Potentially be a, a very expensive tool. If your customer journey is broken, automating it won't make it unbroken. <laughs> Gold. <laughs> so, well, it was drop yeah. the mic moment, right? I just wanted <laughs> to like, leave it there. So I'm just going to leave that one. <laughs> because it is, people think that I can just buy Entreport, I can just buy Infusionsoft and my problems will be solved. No, you'll just be no. paying a monthly fee now. You actually have to input something into that system. So I, I was leaving that there because I wanted people to really take that in. It's, it's so true. Yeah, it's yeah. So you true. need to map out your basic client journey. Now, if that is get my resource, you know, seven-step email follow-up, you know, it's, we know that people don't buy on the first, you know, touch point. We know that it takes seven to 12 touch points to, you know, for a customer to be interested in buying from us, most mm -hmm. customers. So... Create a seven to 12 step email sequence that mm -hmm. nurtures that customer. And at the end of that, say, hey, can I help you? You know, would you like help with this? And whatever, you know, insert your value proposition there. Perfect. If you just do one, well, unsurprisingly, most of the leads that come into your world will be very cold leads. They'll never be warmed up to the point they want to buy from you. However, it's a really good place to start. It's a really great place to start, which comes to my next mistake. Don't overcomplicate things. Build upon it. Right? It is an evolution. You will discover things in your automation journey, you know, one or two or three years in that you just didn't know were possible at the start. Perfect. Tim, for the people that are really interested in what you've been talking about today and they want to learn more, where can they, where can they go to get some more information about you, what you do and how you can help them? Sure. Um, always catch me on my website, winmoreclients.com.au. Um, if you hit the resources tab there, there's one resource I, I recommend that everybody um, grab, and that is the 25 things that every small business should automate. Um, if you read that and can't find something in your business that gives you $10,000 back in your pocket, um, I will be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't want to go as far as saying, I'll give you the $10,000. <laughs> <laughs> but look, there's so many opportunities for people to um, find lost money in their business and they don't have to go and generate new leads from them at all. Totally. I love it. 
You don't necessarily need more leads, but you always need to be nurturing your leads. Tim, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thanks so much for coming in and dropping value bomb after value bomb. I know that I'll certainly be going back and listening to that again and listening to the value bombs within the value bombs. <laughs> <laughs> like, an, like an onion Sam <laughs> <laughs> and with that well, let's just leave it there Tim the Onion thanks so much for coming in today thanks Sam do you want to grow and scale your business so you can make an even bigger impact one of the reasons I've been able to achieve the success I have over the years can be attributed to one simple factor surrounding myself with like-minded people people who think big like me, who have a desire for growth and who understand the challenges we face when growing and scaling a business. That's why I've created a free community especially for thought leaders and experts just like you and I'd love you to join us. Just request access to my free Facebook group at Thought Leaders Inner Circle. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to share this on your favourite social account. Just head to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast Click on your favorite episode and you'll see the buttons right there to share the love. And as this show is new, I would love, love, love you to leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Listener.